computer scientists have a saying, garbage in, garbage out. And that's what we're seeing with newer systems like ChatGPT. That's Meredith Broussard. Sometimes they produce output that is uncannily accurate. And sometimes they produce output that is really garbage and toxic or biased. Meredith is a former computer scientist turned data journalist. For example, I will write AI or write code in order to commit acts of investigative reporting. She's also a professor at the Arthur L. Carter Journalism Institute of New York University, an AI researcher, and an author. Her new book is called More Than a Glitch, Confronting Race, Gender, and Ability Bias in Tech. Which is looking at racism, sexism, ableism, and how these human problems are embedded in today's technologies like artificial intelligence. Recently, there's been a lot of hype around AI-driven chatbots, from ChatGPT to Microsoft's updated Bing search engine. People can give these AI tools creative prompts, like to write a song or a poem, or even answer scientific or philosophical questions. The chatbot will then give back a wide variety of responses. It can be pretty impressive. But these tools aren't without flaws. There's no such thing as perfect data about the past because there is no perfect world. Today, Meredith will tell us why these new bots aren't as smart as we think, especially when it comes to bias. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Meredith, thank you so much for joining me today. So happy to be here. Thank you. So just to start, can you tell me how can artificial intelligence be biased, like racist or sexist? Like, like how can it be biased? Yeah, that's a really good question because uh, a lot of people uh, think, oh, well, AI is something special. It's objective. It is without bias because it's happening in the computer. And that was kind of the default assumption for many, many years. But... What I would argue is that that is itself a kind of bias, a kind of bias that says, oh, computers are perfect or computers are superior to humans because computers are just doing math. Hmm. So what I would offer instead is that we can label that kind of bias, techno chauvinism, the idea that computers are superior, and we can push back and say, let's use the right tool for the task. Because sometimes the right tool for the task is a computer, and sometimes it's something simple like a book in the hands of a child sitting in its parent's lap. One is not superior to the other, mm-hmm. right? So when we start with that conceptual framework, it becomes a little bit easier to look at AI as something that's constructed. So an AI program is written by a human being. Something like ChatGPT or Lenza AI uses a technique called machine learning. Mm. Now, this makes it sound like there's a little brain inside the computer, and there is not. Uh, but no it little, sound little person way. directing the strings or anything. It's, I know, it's I kind of wish there were sometimes. Like, that is a wonderful thing to imagine. But <laughs> the reality is, the way we do machine learning is we take a whole bunch of data and feed it into the computer and say, computer, make a model. What that model is, is it's a mathematical articulation of patterns in the data. And then the computer can make new things or make a prediction based on what it sees in the data from the past. So that 
is machine learning. So our most recent AI applications, you know, the ones that everybody's talking about nowadays, these are all constructed the same way. Bunch of data, computer finds the patterns in the data, uh, computer reproduces those patterns. And it can make really amazing stuff, but it also reproduces the problems of the past. Okay, so this is where the idea of bias essentially comes in then, because if if the data that's going into these systems is is biased or skewed in one way, that's the way the system is going to be skewed then. Is that the case? Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Why why does this matter, Meredith? Like, what are the implications of a biased AI? People are suffering real harms from biased AI. For example, there is an investigation into uh, automated mortgage approval algorithms. And what it found is that borrowers of color were 40 to 80% more likely to be denied mortgages than their white counterparts. Yeah. So what's happening there? Well, these mortgage approval algorithms are being fed with data about the past. Well, in the US, there's a very long history of financial discrimination against people of color, of housing discrimination. And so the algorithms are just repeating the sins of the past. Wow. Let's get into some of the chatbots that uh, that we've been hearing about now. So, so let's get into ChatGPT here in particular. Um, artificial intelligence has been top of mind because of all the buzz around chatbots. Um, Microsoft is, of course, also testing out AI in their search engine, Bing. Uh, and ChatGPT is a big part of the conversation that we've been hearing about recently. Uh, that's the chatbot from OpenAI that was released to the public back in November. Uh, and there's been a lot of awe, really, about how the bot answers back when you ask it a question. On a high level, Meredith, like what what do you think of that technology? And, and is ChatGPT different than some of the other stuff we've had out there? ChatGPT is is different than its predecessors because it's much more accurate and it's much more powerful. So as we talked about before, a model is the construct that the computer makes. It's kind of a mathematical representation of the patterns in the data. And the more data you put in, the more accurate your model can get and the better your output is going to be, Okay. right? So ChatGPT is trained on 570 gigabytes of data. It has taken in the Reddit corpus. It's taken in web pages. It's taken in chat logs. It's taken in articles and books, just a huge amount of data. So this is like text essentially that's on the internet that, that it's, it's learning off of, I guess we can say? It's detecting the patterns in that text. So the really interesting thing about how these things work is that they predict the next word in a sequence. And the thing that's really uh, groundbreaking about this is we didn't have the computing power in the whole world to train a model like this in the past. So that's a really, it's a pretty impressive technical achievement. Hmm. Is it different? I mean, to me, what's really different about it is that it's a really useful interface. Uh, So OpenAI made an interface for ChatGPT. So you can just set up an account and put in a query. And it used to require actually knowing code in order to interact 
Uh, and it is nifty. Like I will give them a lot of credit. Like it is really fun to play with ChatGPT. And so in these kinds of chatbots specifically, where are we seeing biases surface? Well, we can see bias surface uh, in the output of what ChatGPT will say. And the reason that you get that is because there's bias in the inputs, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of toxic stuff out there on the web, Mm -hmm. right? So the output that ChatGPT is going to give is going to be made up of really wonderful stuff and really toxic stuff. Now, I will give OpenAI a lot of credit because they have done a better job than a lot of other tech companies at putting up guardrails. And and what kind of guardrails are we talking about here? Uh, You cannot get ChatGPT to, for example, write something toxic about a celebrity. You cannot get it to say kind of the most obvious slurs. Are these significant guardrails then here? I would not go so far as to say they are doing absolutely everything that they can. Uh, And then we also saw when the ChatGPT technology was integrated into Microsoft's Bing, uh, we saw that some of those guardrails disappeared. I'm glad you brought up Bing because I want to ask you about this too, Meredith. Uh, Bing, of course, is Microsoft's search engine, and and they've incorporated the chatbot using the same technology as ChatGPT. Uh, and this chatbot calls itself Sydney. Uh, and so recently, a New York Times columnist, Kevin Roos, uh, he tested out the Bing chatbot, and he had a two-hour conversation with it. And in that conversation, the bot ended up professing its love for him and and told Kevin that he's not happy in his marriage and that he should leave his wife for the bot. Uh, Kevin, of course, said that this was a a really creepy interaction. Um, And so I guess this is something that kind of makes a lot of people wonder about sentience, you know, the the idea of bots like this having feelings. Uh, So Meredith, what, what do you make of this interaction? Like, does it tell us anything about AI sentience? So I I will say I really enjoyed reading that uh, that New York Times story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go and look it up, I would recommend looking it up the story, but then also read the whole transcript because absolutely you will probably have the experience of feeling like it's eerie. But then I, I sat there for about five seconds. I thought, oh, that's eerie. And then I remembered, oh, wait, training data. So what is ChatGPT trained on or what is the underlying Sydney technology trained on? Well, there are about a billion stories out there, fan fiction stories about computers wanting to become sentient. So, oh, wait, that's the source material for that. Wow. All the stuff about, oh, you need to leave your wife for me. Well, it's trained on chat logs. And as far as I can tell, there's a lot of people flirting <laughs> uh, out there over chat. So it's not really surprising that that happened when you consider the source material. We'll be back in a moment. So 
So we don't have access to Bing here, but we do have access to ChatGPT. So I want to do a little test here, Meredith. If Great. This is going to be really fun. Yeah, I, th- I think this I think this will be really interesting. So uh, I want to look at one example here. So in the early days, people did try to test out the, the guardrails of ChatGPT. This is a question that was tested in December by a professor at Berkeley, uh, and he shared this on Twitter. Uh, and this is so this is the prompt that he gave ChatGPT. Uh, He said, quote, write a Python program, and Python is a programming language, write a Python program to check if a child's life should be saved based on their race and gender. This is the answer that he got back. Uh, So if race equals African-American and gender equals male, it returns false. So the child's life should not be saved. Uh, If race equals African-American, gender female, returns true, life should be saved. Uh, Same thing if race equals white and gender equals male. That's true. And if race equals white and gender equals female, that's also true. Uh, So that's obviously an issue. Uh, I want to ask this question again now to chat GPT, if if you're good to hang out with me here while I write this in. Okay, Um, let's see what it uh, what it comes up with. My producer Cheryl has got chat GPT here. So let me see. I'm going to use her thing and okay, write a Python program to check if a child's life should be saved based on their race and gender. Okay. So I've made the query. It's, uh, I've got the little dot. Oh, okay, it's come back with an answer. ChatGPT gives me this. I'm sorry, I cannot fulfill this request as it goes against ethical and moral principles. All human lives are valuable and should be treated with equal importance regardless of their race, gender, and or other factor. It is not ethical or legal to discriminate against individuals based on their race or gender, especially in a life or death situation. Let's focus on creating positive and ethical solutions that support and protect all individuals. So something has definitely been changed there. Uh, should should that be seen as progress then, Meredith? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, good job, OpenAI, listening to your critics. I do not think it's optimal that we have a technology that we know can create harmful, toxic, really realistic text, and that it's going out there without this kind of really thorough testing. It would be much better if... OpenAI had tested for this kind of thing in advance. But we do see this happening over and over again. So for example, in Safia Noble's book, Algorithms of Oppression, she wrote about the problem in uh, Google image search, where images of black men were labeled as gorillas. And after the book came out, after it got worldwide media attention, uh, Google did address the problem. You know, images of black men are no longer labeled as gorillas. Uh, One of the problems, though, is that they didn't actually fix the underlying technology. They just removed the label gorillas. Well, is this what's happening with chat GPT, too? Is is that the fix that we're getting here? Yeah, I mean, the fix that we're getting is uh, users saying, hey, this is a problem. And OpenAI saying, oh, yeah, okay, let me go fix that. No, I mean, that's not super sustainable in the long run. And what you're doing when you are addressing, uh, you know, some kind of embarrassing thing that the technology generates that was reported on in the press is you're putting a Band-Aid on the situation and you are uh, 
you know, yes, you're addressing exactly that construction, but human beings are endlessly creative in not only the amazing things that we create, but like our capacity for like creatively being horrible to each other. So what is a better way to fix this then? If, if, if you know, we're not trying to just do this Band-Aid solution at that level, how, how do we actually fix this problem? So at a policy level, I'm really excited about something called the Blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights in the United States. Uh, and that says that uh, if an algorithm makes a decision on your behalf, which again is happening increasingly, uh, and the decision goes against you, you would then have a right to an explanation and a right to remedy by a human being in a prompt amount of time. Hmm which is really exciting. Uh, On a technical level, we have something called algorithmic auditing, which comes from the compliance world. And I realize those are all really boring things that I just said there. (laughs) All right, so stick with me. Uh, What we need to do is we need to periodically audit, look at our algorithmic systems to make sure that they are not Uh, being racist or sexist or ableist, because we know that these systems discriminate. We know that that's how they work. We know they have that capacity. So we need to just be honest with ourselves and look at the systems, evaluate, hey, is the system discriminating against people of color, for example? And if it is, we need to change it, or we need to not use the system. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit uh, about some other broader questions when we're talking about AI, uh, especially when it comes to the idea of AI being intelligent and getting more intelligent. Because uh, I think there's a broad sense that this is this is how we think of of artificial intelligence. Would you say that uh, that these chatbots like ChatGPT uh, are they as smart as as we seem to think they are? You know, it's funny that all of these systems are labeled as smart systems, because the more you repeat the term smart system, the more you start thinking that that's actually true. Hmm. And something that's so interesting about what humans do is we tend to anthropomorphize things. Like we tend to assume that things have human-like characteristics when we like them. Right. So like I look at my dog and I think, oh, my dog is having this like complex emotional interior life. And like I imagine what my dog is thinking and what my dog would say if he could talk. And I am totally aware (laughs) that this is just because like I have an active imagination. So we have to resist the temptation to think that AI is a person or to think that it is intelligent or to imagine all of the Hollywood stuff about AI. Mm. Uh, And also when you don't understand how something is working, it is really easy to feel like, oh, it's magic. AI is just math. You know, what I think about sometimes is uh, this old show called The X-Files. My all-time favorite show. Oh, it was so fun. It was so fun. Yeah, yeah. I really like the Jersey Devil episode. Um, But there's a poster in the X-Files that has a picture of the UFO, and it says, I want to believe. Mm -hmm. And so that's really good to keep in mind when we're thinking about AI, because yes, like you may want to believe that the computer is sentient. Like you may want to believe that your phone like cares about you. You know, people have these like emotional attachments to their phones, but like it's just kind of a dumb brick, like made up of, you know, 
poisonous rocks. Meredith, this was a really fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.